Okay, so we are up to Daf Memches, page 48. In the Heligut Meseches Adarim, we got up to Daf Memches, but let us go back. We don't have a long Daf today. Uh, Bezrem, we're going to be Zaycheh to finish, to complete the fifth parak of Meseches Adarim. Let us go back to the bottom of Memzayin Omid Beis and learn the Mishnah together. Four lines from the bottom of 47b. Here we go. Says the Mishnah. Harani Alecha Cherem. If somebody, Ruvain says to Shimon, I am a cherem on you. Now a cherem is an expression of, of hektish. So he's basically saying the same way you're not allowed to benefit from hektish. Shimon, you're not allowed to benefit from me. The halach is, Hamaydar Aser. Uh, Shimon is not allowed to benefit from Ruvain, who said that he is going to be like hektish. Okay, can't benefit from hektish, can't benefit from Ruvain. What if Ruvain says to Shimon, you are a cherem to me, meaning I'm forbidden to benefit from you, then Hanoi de Raser. So Ruvain cannot benefit from Shimon. Fine. I'm a cherem to you, you're a cherem on me. So now Shimon cannot benefit from Ruvain, because Ruvain said you can't benefit from me or anything I own. And Ruvain cannot benefit from Shimon, because he is personally forbidding benefit on himself from Shimon. Okay, what you're able to do. Fine. Now our Mishnah is going to explain that even though it's forbidden for them to benefit from each other, they're both permitted to benefit from certain things, which the Mishnah is going to explain what these are, that are permitted because of Aile Bavel. Meaning there were certain um, areas, call them public areas, that were used by people who would come up from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael. All right. Now, what's unique about Eli Bavel? What's going to happen for this is, this is going to be considered like just completely Hefker, completely ownerless, okay? Now that it's completely Hefker, Shimon could benefit from it, and Reuven could benefit from it. There's no issue. Because they just can't benefit from things that the other one owns. Over here, things that are part that are owned by or were created for the Eile Bavel, completely public, completely Hefker. They're allowed to benefit from each other, and the Mishnah will give a list shortly over what these things are. Top of today's daf. However, Ruvain and Shimon, if they live in the same town, or even if they don't live in the same town, are forbidden to benefit from areas of the town that are jointly owned by the town. So for example, if you have a, if you have a, a people, uh, if you have people in a city that pay taxes, that those taxes take care of the local gym, the local parks. Everybody's considered part owner in the gym, part owner in the parks. So the problem is, Reuven cannot benefit from it and Shimon cannot benefit from it because since Reuven's a, a small part owner, Shimon can't benefit. Because Shimon's a small part owner, Reuven can't benefit. In other words, if something's completely after, and that's why everybody could use it. Beseder, they could benefit. Then it's not considered benefiting from each other. However, if it's considered, if they're benefiting because of something that's jointly owned by everybody in town, now they're forbidden because both of them own it. And if they use it, they're benefiting from each other. Here are some examples. Says the commission. Says the Mishnah. What are considered things that areas that are were created for Eli Bavel that are totally hefker? The courtyards of the Beis Hamikdash and any wells that were built along the way from Babel to Eretz Yisrael that is out for the public. It's not owned by any group of people. The Eizah Hudavar, 
and what is considered an area, shall Isahair, of a city which they're forbidden to benefit from because they're considered part owners, Kigain, Rahrachva, Hamerchat, Besakneses, Teva, Vasvar. All right? The central square in the town, the bathhouses of the town, the shul of the town, the Arankaidesh of the town, and the Svarim that are in the local Bate Medrash. The Kaisev Chalkai Lenasi. The Mishnah says that here's an Eitza, here's some advice. See, they live in the town, let's say, and they're not allowed to benefit from the shul. They're not allowed to benefit from the Svarim. So, what could they do? What's an Eitza? What's some advice we can give them? We're going to say that they could go over to the Nasi, one of the leaders of the town, one of the leaders of the city, and write over to the leader, write to him, the small part of ownership that I have in the shul, in the svarim, in the bathhouse, is now going to go to you. I'm relinquishing my rights to you. I now want you to own it. So if Ruvain does that and gives over his ownership to the Nasi, his small part ownership, and Shimon gives over his small part ownership, now neither of them are owners even in the town's areas, and they're both permitted again to use it because they're not benefiting from the other one. Simple advice. Okay. Rebuta says, let me tell you something. He says, you know, this idea of giving over the ownership to a local leader, to a Nasi, is a good idea. However, the Tanakhama says, you have to write it over to the Nasi. Rebuta says, Echad kaisev l'nasi, ve'echad kaisev lehadyait. Okay? It doesn't need to be a Nasi. It could be given over to anybody. Anybody else in, you know, you could just write a, a document. It doesn't need to be a, a leader. Just write over to Yankel Shmerel Beryl. That, uh, you know, you, you have my rights to ownership. And that's it. Now, Ruvain's no longer a small part owner. Shim is no longer a small part owner. And they can benefit again. Why does it have to be a Nasi? So what's the nafkamina according to Rabbi Yehuda, between a leader and a regular person in town? The halachic difference is going to be that if you write over to a leader of the town, you don't need to make an actual acquisition. You don't need to make a kinyan. For the, all you all need to do is write it over and there's no other acquisition that's needed. The fact that he's a leader of the town gives him the rights automatically. Because if it's going to be somebody else, that guy has to actually make a Kenyan. He has to make an acquisition of that small part ownership in the bathhouse, shul, etc., etc. And they would need to make an active uh, acquisition. The Chum hold no whether you write over to a Nasi, whether you write over to a Hedyate, either way, you're going to have to make a Kenyan. You're going to have to make an acquisition. All right, rather like, like so I in the Tanakamo, the Chachamim, why do we say right over to a Nasi? If a Hedyite, if a regular guy is the same way, it's an example, it's a common thing to do. The Nasiim were very involved in the, local, uh, in the local city affairs and whatever needed to be done. That was a common thing to do, but ultimately he doesn't have a greater power of acquisition than a regular Hedyite, and they are all the same. Rebutah and Rebutah says, Ein anshe galil You should know that the people of the Galilee, the people of the Galil, they don't, if, if they're forbidden to benefit from each other, they don't even need to write it over to a Nasi before using the bathhouse or the shul or the svarim. You know why? As we explained yesterday, it's already written into the constitution of, of um, the Galil 
that all the you know local areas that generally would be jointly owned is really not jointly owned. It all belongs to the government. It all belongs to the city leaders. It already belongs to the Nasi. That's how that's how their constitution was made up. Hence, if Ruvain is not allowed to benefit from Shimon, and Shimon is not allowed to benefit from Ruvain, they can still use the local gym, the local shul, the local uh, svarim, the local bathhouse. There's no issue at all. Ah, Shimon is benefiting from Ruvain. No, you're not. You're benefiting from the Nasi. You're benefiting from the local uh, city council. Because in the constitution, the city council was the owner, and it wasn't jointly owned by everybody who was there. Very logical, practical uh, nafkamina. Bottom line is, what we need to walk away from this Mishnah to keep in mind, to, to put it all together, to paraphrase, Reuven and Shimon had a benefit from each other. What do you do with things that are public? Answer is, if the things that are public are viewed as jointly owned by everybody in the public... Now they can't benefit from it. But if it's not jointly owned by everybody in the public, rather it's controlled or owned by the, only the leaders of the public, so now they're not, Reuben and Shimon aren't, they have no ownership in this whatsoever, and they're permitted to benefit. Okay, Gavaldik. Azayzak, the Mishnah, here we go, says the Gemara. Amai Mitzar. We said that if Reuben and Shimon are forbidden to benefit from each other, Anything that's in a public area, they should write over to the Nasi. Okay? Says the Gemara. Um, okay. So now the Gemara is going to ask for clarity. Now we read the Mishnah with the explanation that when we said, means you should write over to the Nasi and that's what's going to allow you to use it. However, if you look at the actual way the Mishnah was written, if you go back to the, the top few lines of our Omud, it said, what's considered an area where they're forbidden to use? Like a local, uh, a local base, uh, base Kigayin Harachava, the town square, Merchot, the bathhouse, Beis HaKnesses, Vateva, Basvarim, Vahakaisev, Chalkai, the Nasi. And one who writes a Chalak over to the Nasi. It seems that it's forbidden. Now we read it the way the Gemara is going to explain, it means that no, if you're over to a Nasi, that's fine. But if you keep reading the Mishnah, in, uh, if, in usual form, it seems going to be forbidden to write over to Nasi. So that's what the commission is going to, just going to clarify over here. Am I mitzar? Why should it be usher if he writes it over to a Nasi? Amar Rav Sheshes explains, Hachi Katani, really, this is how to read the Mishnah, the way that we read it. Umay takantam, what could they do to fix it up? What could they do to ensure that they're allowed to use the local shul and bathhouse? Yichtibu chalkam the Nasi. They should write it over to the Nasi. So we're just clarifying what we, you know, the, the way that we read it. Whether a person writes his ownership of the bathhouse of the shul uh, over to a nasi or a regular guy, why should there be, or what, what, it, what then would be the difference between writing over to a nasi or a regular guy? Either way, you have to make an acquisition. Okay, and that's just finishing off the quote of how the Mishnah would be read. All right, so what we just learned from here is the way that we read the Mishnah initially, the Gemara is clarifying that when the Mishnah said, it's not giving us an example of what's forbidden, it's actually giving us advice to when it now becomes permitted for each of them to benefit. Okay, very good. Rebuta says, two dots. 
If you're in the Galilee and they're forbidden to benefit from each other, they can still use the local areas. There's no problem. Why? Because built into the, called the constitution of the Galil is that it's not jointly owned. Tani, we went to the Bryce, Rabbi Yudhaimer, Anshay Galil, the people of the Galil, Kantronenhoyu. Kantronenhoyu is that they were, they were people, they had a, we'll call them, they had a, a temperament. That, uh, that, you know, they, they were pretty quick to speak. And therefore, it was, it, was very, it was quite common for them to take these types of vows. Yeah, well, uh, well I'm never benefiting from it. And I forbid you to benefit. Okay. So this was just a way to keep society protected. Because people were commonly doing this. It was turning into such a, you know, it was into the Wild West with what everybody's permitted and not permitted to do. So what they did was, is that's why they handed over, they wrote into the Constitution that everything's owned by the Nasi. This way, when people ha- are quick to speak, it wouldn't, cause, uh, it wouldn't cause too much damage. Now, if we could pause here for a moment and focus in on a little bit of a lesson in life uh, on this, you know, th- there's two ways to view this. Sometimes when there's a weakness, so you deal with it head on. There's other times where before you deal with it head on, you first get yourself to a place of safety. It seems this is what the the leaders of the Galil were trying to do. I.e., for example, I would have thought that if these people were kantaronim, these, you know, if you know that there's an issue, so what would you do? You'd make a seminar, you'd bring people in, you, you know, you, uh, you'll, you'll, start, you'll start up Musr Shiurim, so on and so forth, yeah? And uh, you'll start teaching people to change their Midas and the importance of words and the power of words, and you got to be careful with things, uh, with things that you say. Maybe in Echanami they did this later, but it seems that it got to such a point where they needed to bring the people of the Galil to a place of safety. I, you know what I mean, safety, that, to stop forbidding things on each other. And maybe afterwards they dealt with it. Who knows? But Lamaisa, you know, you, you learn from here that depending on the situation, depending on the society, depending on the culture that people are coming from, you got to do what you got to do uh, to protect. And then hopefully the mission doesn't say they did this, but we would assume, hopefully... Then afterwards to teach about the Kaya Hadibor, the power of words. All right. Next, Mishnah. Here we go. We're a little more than halfway down on Memches Amaral. This next sugya, okay, this next sugya is a fascinating, fascinating um, discussion. It's going to take us to the end of the parak, And I want to explain outside for a moment. Very important. If somebody gives over rights, and this is segues from last mission, you give over your ownership to the Nasi, right, in the local bathhouse, the shul. What if somebody gives over their ownership to somebody else? The case that we're going to have is if Ruvain makes a vow that Shimon, his father, is not going to benefit, it's forbidden to benefit from him. 
And Reuven has a son who's getting married, and he wants his father Shimon to be there. The problem is, Shimon cannot benefit from any party that Reuven, the father of the Chassan, throws. The Zayda, it cannot join the Chasna because he's forbidden to benefit from the father, his son. So what his son wants to do, what the father of the Chasna wants to do, Reuven, he's going to hand over all the food of the Chasna to a third party and say, you own all the food now. Now that you own the food, my father can attend the Chasna. So do we view that as if it's okay? There's no issue. Listen, he gave over the ownership. Or do we say, that's just a shtick. You don't really want to give over the ownership of all the food. Why would you want to give over the ownership of the food? There's a couple reasons that we'll see. The main one that ultimately makes the most sense as we read the Mishnah is that Reuven really wants people to be invited and his father invited to a wedding that he makes. Not a wedding that somebody else owns on behalf for his son to get married. People want to make the wedding for their son. So if Reuven were to go and give over the ownership of the food to somebody else, is that going to be a valid handover of ownership? Or do we say, you're just making shtick? Now, what would Allah be? Oh, is there any way to really know if he was sincere in giving over a gift? Or not? Now, the Mishnah will clarify this. Again, how do you know if somebody is sincere? There's another halacha, which uh, the Ran focuses on. And it comes up in the halachas of Sukkis by Alula of Esra, Gadas, Ben-Ravos, by the Dalad Minim. And it comes up by marriage. Which is called a matana almanas lahachzir. A present, you give somebody a gift on the condition that they return it at a later time. Lahalacha, that is a valid gift, even though there's stipulations connected to it. Okay? It's a valid gift. What if the guy doesn't give it back to you? It was never his in the first place. So is there an overlap? Is there a connection? And we're going to leave this as a question, which we'll clarify soon. Is there a connection between a matanam and aslahachzer, which is valid, even though there's strings attached to the gift? It's only a gift. It's only yours now if you give it back to me. If you never gave it back to me, it was never yours now. And is there a connection between that case and the case of where I'm giving you a gift because I want my father to come to a chasna? But is it sincere? Well, let's see. What if the guy, the case where I'm is going to be, what if the guy who he gave it to says, oh, now I've got a lot of food, I'm going to make it hectic. So the Levi, who Reuven gave it to, at the chasna declares everything hectic. Is everything hectic? Well, if it's really Levi's, it should be hectic. If we say the whole thing was a scam, it's not hectic. But if the whole thing was a scam, then Reuven's father cannot come to the wedding. All right. If anybody's getting confused here, let's read this inside. Here we go. Says the Mishnah. Listen to this. It's a story. Mishnah's a story. Somebody who forbids benefit from his friend. And now his friend that does not have enough to eat. This is the same as we had earlier. 
um, about five daf ago. Nice give it over to somebody else as a gift. And then the other guy who's, who was forbidden to eat before is now permitted to eat. There's no problem. Now, this seems to be redundant, but the Ron explains that we're bringing this down again just to introduce the story of our Mishnah. What's the story? There was a story with Reuven from a place called Beis Charon. Reuven's father was not allowed to benefit from him. And Reuven's son is getting married. The Yomar Lechaveirai, Reuven really wants his old man by the wedding. He wants his papa there. But his papa can't benefit. So what does he do? What does Reuven do? He says to his friend, I want the food and the courtyard that the wedding's taking place in should be yours. So that my father can show up to the wedding and join us at the meal. Behold, I'm giving it over to you. It's now yours. Now my father's not benefiting from me. He's benefiting from you. And, ah, this is going to be great. Except, Omar, the guy says, ready? Oh, thank you so much. If the courtyard's mine, and if all the food is mine, I want it to belong to Hekdish. I want it to belong to the Beis HaMikdash. Oh boy, he's such a religious fanatic. He's what a, what a, what a giver to the Rabbi Omar Lai, oh, oh, oh no. Sir Ruben, who uh, gave it over to him just so his father could eat. Now nobody can eat. Omar Lai, Ruben says to him, Did I give you my stuff to sanctify? I, you're not allowed to do that. I only gave it over to you because I want my, my papa to come to the wedding. Omar Lai, so the guy says, the friend says back to Ruben, Nasatol the Yeshacha. You gave me your stuff. Yeah, he says, I understand something. You gave me these things to do whatever I want to do. And now you and your father, you know, we're, we're having issues getting along. So now you had a problem. Your father couldn't come to your wedding. Let me tell you something. That's your own problem. Now that you gave me this stuff, I have full ownership. I'll do whatever I want. Your 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 shalom bias issues with your father is my problem. So the shaila came to the chachamim. What do you do? Is the father allowed to come to the chasna? What's going on? Is it hektish? What's happening? Amru chum the chum said, "Kol matona she'ena she'emekdishes." Anytime you give a gift to somebody else, that if they were to make it hektish, it would be hektish. Ena matona. I'm sorry, that you don't have in it, that the recipient could make it hectic, in a matana is not considered a matana. Meaning, Acham answered, Ruvain never gave this over to his friend. It remained in the domain of Ruvain, and the father is still not allowed to attend the wedding. He's not allowed to join the chutzar. He's not allowed to uh, join in on the food. Why? What's the rule? This is what we're going to focus on now. Say the chachamim. Any gift that if you give over to somebody else, they cannot sanctify it, is not a gift. They don't have enough of an ownership that I can say it's even theirs. In order for me to be considered the owner, I need to even have rights to sanctify. Now this is going to run into an issue 
with what we said in our introduction to the Mishnah, which is, a matana amanas if you give a, a gift on condition it's returned, that is a valid gift. So why is there, a, why do we say the following case? I say to Rabbar, I say, Rabbar, I'm giving you my Dalad Minim on the first day of Sukkot. You can use it. It's completely yours on condition you give it back to me. I want ownership back. The Lacha is, it's considered Rabbar's for those five minutes that he used the Dalad Minim. I, there's a stipulation that he can't do with it whatever he wants. He's got to give it back to me. Okay. True. It's valid. It's a valid gift, but he's got to give it back to me. But to make something hectish, if I say to Rabbi, and this is a gift, he says, oh, I'm going to make it hectish. And I say, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not a gift. What's the difference between a matan giving it back to me, or giving a gift with the restriction of giving it to hectish? What's the svar? Let's keep this question in mind as we begin the Gemara. Says the Gemara, here we go. Ezek the Gemara, third wide line on Memchesem and Aleph. Maiselistar, we have a problem. This Mishnah seems to be self-contradictory. Why? Because in one part of the Mishnah, it says that you could give a gift to somebody else. In the beginning, if Shimon can't benefit from Reuven, we said Reuven should give it to a third party, and then it could give it to Shimon. And now we say uh, the story of Beis Haran, where ultimately the Chum paskind that it wasn't a matana. By giving it to a third party. The guy made a hectish and the Chum said, No, 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 he never really gave it to you. So the says, No, let's clarify. There's um, so, some missing words that we didn't read that were not put into the Mishnah that we need to understand is really there. And really, this is what the Mishnah should say. If let's say the end of the story shows us shows us what was meant in the beginning of the story, like this case, at the end, he's like, hey, you can't make it hectish. Then Usr. See, here's what happened. In the story of Beis Haran, Reuven gave it to his friend, so his father could attend the wedding. His friend makes hectish. And then what does Reuven say? No, 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 you can't do that. So since at the end of the story, it was clear, Reuven never really meant a gift. The whole thing was a fake. It was a farce. It was a shtick. He wants it to look like, yeah, you're the owner, you're, you're called the owner, but you can't really do. That's what we say it's not valid. However, if let's say Reuven's giving it to Shimon so that the other guy can, Reuven, the other guy so Shimon can benefit, and he wants Shimon to benefit, he wants the end of the story, that's okay, there's no problem. The story also in Beis Charem where this happened. The end of the story proved in the beginning that the father of the chassan never really wanted to give it over as a gift. Amar Rava, Rava says, The case of this matana is only when Ruvain says to his friend, I'm giving you everything that's needed for the wedding. But I'm only giving it to you so that my father could come to the wedding. Meaning, he said specifically to his friend, the reason why I'm giving you ownership is because I want my old man there. But if he would have said to him that it's your land, and it's, yeah, it's your courtyard, 
and the food is yours. He doesn't say only so that my father could come, but he says, because I want my father to come, then, so then we could say, it's not going to be a valid matana, it's going to be a good gift, and the father is allowed to, and the father is allowed to attend. Why? Because really, what Reuven is then saying to Shimon is, this is a full-fledged gift, and it's up to you to decide how this is going to play out. Meaning, he didn't limit the gift. He didn't say, it's only a gift if, so that my father could attend. He's, but if he says, no, 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 it's a full, full matana. And let me tell you why I'm giving it to you. It's a full gift. But, you know, my agenda of giving it to you is that my father could attend the wedding. So then the guy really owns the, the, the property. He really owns it. Okay? And the, and the father would be allowed to, uh, to join in the chasna. Another way to learn this halacha. Don't say the reason that the reason for the halacha of our Mishnah is that the father could come is only because he says it's only in front of you. Uh, I'm only giving it to you for so that my father could attend. But let's say Shimon says to him, These, the courtyard, the food is yours. So that my father could come eat. This was, again, this is just the reason why I'm giving it. It's at your discretion. But he says to his friends, I'm just telling you why I'm doing this. Then again, it's no problem. Because completely the friends. And even if he says, I'm giving it to you so that my father could come. I'm sorry. Ella, rather. Even if Reuven says to his friend, Again, I'm only giving it to you so that my father could eat. Again, the word only give it to you. It's still going to be a problem. My time Because the Suda itself, the party itself, proves about this whole situation that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't um, being done in a... Uh, uh, where the ownership is completely being transferred over. Okay. Top of Memchasim and Beis. Here we go. Listen to this story. Hahu Gavra, there was a guy. The Havale Bra, he had a son, Kife de Casino. He had a son who was not a good guy. Okay, he was a guy of, used to steal. Asino The father was upset at his son, his son was a guy of, and he says, I'm making a vow, my son cannot benefit from my property. Amrulay, Stacham said to the father, What happens if your grandson, your son, okay, he's, he's a Russia. But what if he has kids, and those kids are Tamidi Chachamim? See, what's happening is, by you not allowing your son to inherit you, you're basically, and not benefit from you, you're basically saying that his descendants also are not allowed to benefit. What if your grandchildren are wonderful people? Amar Lahain. So the father or potential grandfather responded, Likni Hodain. Okay. Taka. I I want him to own it partially. That's what it means. I'll, I'll let my son own it partially, and then if I have proper grandchildren, they could take full ownership. Meaning, you hear this? 
I only want my son to own it in as much that he can be a pass-through to the grandchildren. But I don't really want him, I don't allow him to have any sort of use from it. My, what is the Allah? This is fascinating Shaila, similar to what we had in Amr Aleph. In that the father's allowing the son to inherit only so that the grandson could end up with it. But he doesn't want him to actually have any personal rights to the property. So Amri Pumpadisai, they said in Pumpadisa, Kni Almanas Lahaknezu. This is a situation where somebody says, I want you to acquire it. Almanas on condition the Haknais, that you give it over to somebody else. I want you to be a middleman. And anytime you have a situation like that, it's not considered a acquisition at all. Okay? Memela, what we're saying is, the son does not acquire it, and therefore the grandson does not acquire it either. Fine, that's what they said in Pumpadisa. Rav Nachman says, Kani, no, the son does acquire it. Even though the father says, I don't want him to ever really have rights to this. I only want him to acquire it to be to pass it on to the Enochlef. Yeah, if they're telling me they come, he says why? Because if somebody gives his friend a sudra, sudra literally means a handkerchief. Over here is dealing with a Kenyan chalipin. Kenyan chalipin is dealing with an exchange where somebody lifts up one item, and by by him lifting up that item, the other person is going to acquire what he's passing on. Okay. We're going to be considered like a the same way a Kenyan Sudra works. And we don't say, oh, it's just a shtick. We say, no, the entire thing uh, is valid. We're going to say, so too over here, just because there was no, uh, there's no a benefit that he's allowed to make use, uh, make, make use of, even a conditional acquisition is considered an acquisition. So Rav Nachman is going to argue with the people of Pompadisa. To which Ravashi says to Rav Nachman, what are you talking about? I'm Ravashi. Ravashi says, Uman leimalon desdara itafes leilam mitvas. Who holds that by a, that by a, a Kenyan Sudr, sorry, who holds that by a Kenyan Sudr, um, if the guy takes the, hank, the, the, the handkerchief and never gives it back, that he's not allowed to keep it. Meaning what happens is, usually you make a Kenyan Sudr, you lift up the other person's handkerchief or yarmulke or whatever it is, and then he gives it right back to you. Now the Misa, maybe if the guy wants to hold on to it, he's permitted to hold on to it. Who says that in order for uh, that in order for it to be a uh, that it's taka a full acquisition, uh, even if he weren't even if he wouldn't give it back? Maybe you need a follow through and you need a real acquisition, and it really becomes his. But if you're not giving over full rights to somebody. For example, the father to the of son, he doesn't want him to make any use of it. Maybe Taka wouldn't work. Rav Nachman, what are you talking about? And furthermore, Sudra kni amenas lahaknais ukni minhashta. When it comes to a Kenyan Sudr, when you lift up somebody, the other person's handkerchief, and then you give it back, that is a case of a of a kni amenas lahaknais. You're you're acquiring something on condition to give over a a different acquisition, and that's happening right away. However, Halein, when it comes to the grandfather and the grandson, nichnasin dahadein leemasaykani. When ultimately does the zeda? The potential Zayda. When does he want his son, the Ganav, to ultimately get it? Only if his Zaynagal ends up being a Dhamma 
It goes back to the owner. And therefore, Ravashi is saying, he says to Rav Nachman, bottom line, even if you're going to tell, tell me that Kni, Almanas Lahaknais, is going to be kosher, it's going to tackle work, you still will not be able to connect that to the case of the father and son wanting the, wanting the grandchildren to inherit it at a later date. Because one's happening immediately and one is happening later on. Okay. So now we had Rav Ashi asking two questions on Rav Nachman's opinion. Now Rav Nachman again argued on the people of Pompadisa and he said that Kni Almanas Lahaknais is valid. So Abalei Rav Rav Nachman, Rav says Rav Nachman, Vamatnas Beis Chayrim. What about the story of our Mishnah? In our Mishnah, you had Ruve make a wedding for his son and his father wasn't allowed to come. The Kni Almanas Lahaknais, who Ruvain only gave it over to his friend. Why? Because he wanted his father to join the Chasna. And what do you find there? The Laikakani. We said it wasn't valid. They brought the case one of the Chamim. The Chamim say nothing happened. So you see, Kni Almanas Lahaknais, Laikani. You see, it's not an acquisition like the Psak of Pumpadisa. The Psak of Pumpadisa seems to be exactly like our Mishnah. Okay. So Sigmara says to Rava, no, these aren't strong questions on Rav Nachman. Why? I'll tell you why. Zimnin, some, you know, sometimes they said Rav Nachman's response was that usually it's not, you know, you, I'm sorry, usually it is an acquisition, but over here, it's clear that he's fooling around. It's clear that it's only there so the father could attend. He never really gave it over. That even, even uh, Vitor making use of something is going to be usher, is going to be forbidden to benefit by a Maider Hana. Okay. These are, remember, this is, uh, going back uh, three daf, where you have the extra benefits that come along, with a, uh, come along with the property. So these extra benefits are just having the father join in the chasna. That is still going to be usher by Maider Hana. And that's why. In our Mishnah, the father is not allowed to join, but in general, maybe we'll say Taka Rav Nachman would be correct that it is that Kriyam Naslahaknais would be cunning. Okay, so Ravashi has questions that Rav Nachman didn't answer, but Rava's question from our Mishnah, Rav Nachman was able to wiggle out of. All right, Viter, Tanan, we learned in our Mishnah, Amru Chacham, the Chum said, Kol Matana, any gift. If Ruvain gives a gift to somebody, She'ena, which does not include Shemekdesha, that if the recipient makes it hektish, it'll end up being hektish, is not considered a gift, meaning in our Mishnah it says, if you give a gift to somebody, and that guy wants to make it hektish, and you say, no, you can't do that, you say, what's well, not a gift? You never gave him over rights. Kol mai. What is kol in our Mishnah? Kol matana, she'ena, What case is that coming to include? Isn't it coming to include the case of the grandfather who wants to send it down to the grandchildren? The where the son was stealing these uh, these bundles of flax. Okay, so you see that our that it, it would be valid. It's not coming to include the case of the inheriting of the grandfather to the 
Russia son, giving over to ultimately the grandson. Rather, it's coming to include the Lishna Basra, the Shama Rava, the, the, the second approach that Rava brought, which means when the Mishnah tells us that Ruvain, who gives over the food of a wedding to his friend, it's not going to work when he says specifically that I'm giving it to you so that my father can, uh, can join in the chasna. That's certainly not going to, that's not going to work. That's even true if he doesn't say it directly. Even if he says it like, you know, in a roundabout way where he says, you know, I'm not only giving it to you, but I'm letting you know I'm giving it to you because I have this issue with my father. Okay, so this was the second version of Rava. And in that case, we said that if you don't make a a direct stipulation, still it's going to be a valid stipulation. And hence, that's that's why it's not a gift. But let's say... You have a different uh, a different situation. Let's say you're not dealing with a chasna. We're dealing with a regular case. Ruben wants to give something over to Shimon, and he says, "Shimon, I'm giving it to you, but I don't want you making it hectic." That taka would be valid, which we can we can understand. So let, let's talk about what that scenario would be. Have you ever been in a situation where you gave a gift to somebody, but the intent of the gift? was for a purpose. It was for a purpose. Otherwise, you'll regret having given the gift. Okay? We'll still say it's a valid, it's, it's a valid gift, even if the giver is upset about it. So, uh, you give an example. You have a, um, a father who gives a gift to a son. With, and he says, listen, son, I'm buying you a car. What's the intent of the son using the car? So he can get to work every day, let's say. The father, why do you want to give him a car? He wants to help make it easier for the son to, to get to work. Fine. The son has a friend who desperately needs a car. Does the son have a right to give it to his friend? Or do we say, your father gave it to you. And if you give it to your friend, can the father say, I'm taking it back. I want it back. You know what we're going to say? If you didn't make that condition, it still belongs to the son. Now let's take the last case before we end the parak. What about if you have the same exact situation, but the father says, I'm giving you a gift. And a condition of this gift is to the son, give me your car, you cannot give it away. You cannot make it hectic. You know what? The son cannot make it hectish, but it's completely his. It is completely the son's. It's not the father's. The father just put the gift in with a stipulation. I'm giving you a gift. One of the rules of the gift is that you cannot make it hectish. We can understand why we would consider that to be a valid gift. And that's Taka, what the second approach of Rava would, would agree with. That that case of a gift is just different than the chasna because by the chasna, you know it's it's uh, you know he, he really explained even in a you know even if it's not in a direct fashion, but he explained I'm only giving this to you for my dad to show up. Then we say that's not a it's just not a gift. It's not a gift. You're not really giving anything away. But in a different case where you, your mom is giving a gift, you're giving a gift, but you want to make sure the gift's used in a proper way. That would be a different set of circumstances. That gift 
would be valid. Hadron Allah Hashutvin, Hadron Allah Hashutvin, Hadron Allah Hashutvin, Bashem will be Zaikha to return to you the fifth parak of Mesecha Sadarim. Mazutov, everybody who finished the fifth parak. Bashem, tomorrow we pick up with the new parak, with the sixth parak and a darim on Daf Memtes. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, everybody.